0: Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com, where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Wow, this week has been something, right? Uh, uh, As a church, I wanted to bring this to your attention that this week has consisted of quite a lot of items, activities. There's been food distribution, there's been going into the communities, giving water, essentials, other needs. There's been clearing debris, right? There's been cutting down metal. There's been a lot of different ways this church has served. Um, Yeah, thank you. God's good. A lot of volunteers have participated and, and helped. We had Harry Chapin this past week, and we got rid of hundreds and hundreds of meals and items, if not thousands. And uh, it's, it's been a whirlwind. But as you know, it doesn't just wrap up this week. A lot of us, we go home and we say, we have a lot to do when we get home. A lot more work to happen. A lot of us have been in positions to see Uh, needs met and maybe handle some of the essentials around the home. Today, I want to mention, just before we dive into the talk, is that the the battle is still ongoing. The need is still there. And we want to challenge you and we want to encourage you to not only just address needs now, but also look at needs long term. And a way we're going to do that as a church is through sacrificial giving through giving of our resources, through what we need to do to help people get established, reestablished, And you can do that through faithnfm.com backslash give. There's a lot of nonprofits that came into the area and they set up shop and give it a couple months and they might leave. But we know when we encounter people in, in, in our communities who've lost everything, that they're going to still need ongoing help and assistance. As a church, that's part of the reason we exist. So let's never lose sight of that. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Use the church to give and to help meet the needs of those in our surrounding communities who are a part of our uh, church family because it's very real and it's not something that we just flip the light switch on and off in one week's time and get it all resolved. So, church, I want to to challenge you as a pastor on this staff to continue to say, what do we need to look at long term? I want to dive into this morning's message. Uh, I want to dive into this morning's message. I I title it Rebuilding After Loss. Rebuilding After Loss. It was Friday, the Friday following the hurricane, I went to check on some of my family's properties. My parents uh, have been through some things. They were in Tampa, they weren't able to be at their home, so I drove by their house. Uh, Thursday I tried, uh, immediately after the storm, but it was all flooded out, couldn't get through there uh, when I was in my little Kia trying to make the way. And so finally got down there Friday and we had our very first home that was there, and uh, it was a mobile home, a manufactured home, and uh, I look at it, I drive down the street, down in Iona, and uh, I'm like, oh man, what's gonna happen of this thing? I'm expecting to see this thing like just completely in shambles, like I saw many different places on the way and in that commute there, and I look at this thing and I'm sitting in a car and I'm I'm with a buddy and, and I just scratch my head because only the carport blew off. So I'm like, hey, let's handle this carport. And we handle this carport. We haul the aluminum and the metal up to the front of the street. We figure that's what we're supposed to do. Both never experienced our in a hurricane in my entire life. Welcome, Hurricane Ian. And uh, at the end, when we got done wrapping up, I, I see my next-door neighbor. Uh, start talking to them and get to know their story, you know, how the damage? What took place at your home? And she's like, actually, we're, we're all right. We only got flooded about an inch in our home, handled it all, but my son, who lives down the street, lost everything. I drove by the place, and when you see that, Knowing that I have a different home, and this is just more of a, a secondary place. It's a, a place that's been in the family for time for many, many years. When you have that encounter with somebody who says, I, I lost it all. You ask your question, you, you ask the question, Why God? Why me and, and not them, or why them and, and not me, and, and you wrestle and you're in this moment of conflict, and you're trying to understand, and you try to put all the pieces together. But the truth is, no matter how hard we try to sync up the puzzle pieces, there's questions on this side of eternity that we just won't have the answers to. See, the question isn't necessarily why, because we won't know the answer. It's Time and time again, we see that in scripture. Maybe you've lived a seasoned life and you have many questions of why that you are anxious and you can't wait to ask God when you get to heaven. But the question is, how? How do I rebuild after loss? The principle I want to talk to you today about is this, loss is inevitable but getting up is optional. Loss is inevitable and getting up is optional. There's many, many losses in life. We can talk about losses when it comes to our marriage, our friendships. We can talk about losses when it comes to a son, a daughter, a loss of a job, a loss of property, a a loss of a sense of security. And the question isn't, why did I lose this? The question is, how do I rebuild when the loss comes? Because we're all faced with a fight, and we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to make a choice to give up, or with God's help, am I going to get up? You'll have to ask yourself, am I going to make the choice to give up, or with God's help, am I willing to get up? There's an entire book of the Bible about rebuilding. It's called Nehemiah. Israel and Jerusalem had been conquered, and a whole generation had been taken into exile for years. They served, they served, as, they served the Persians, and Nehemiah served in the king's court. If you know anything about Nehemiah, he he tasted the wine before the king would drink it. Talk about a, a very challenging and, and kind of interesting job to say, I wonder if this cup is lethal or not. And that was Nehemiah's responsibility. And he was sent in a third wave or the Israelites who went back to help rebuild the city. He's this man who's used in the Old Testament, and he teaches us some principles about how to rebuild after loss. So we're going to look at some points in his book, and you can follow along with me there. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 18 says this, But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. See, the homeland where Nehemiah came from was dismantled. It was put in disgrace. It was Fire was torched the city gates in the city, and he was called, and he was installed, and God used him to rebuild after the loss. See, when loss comes, we can either get bitter or we can get better. And part of getting better is coming to this understanding, this willingness that we must rebuild that we're not just going to give up, that we're not just going to be those people. It is what it is. It's that we need to rebuild. I want you to do me a favor right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's rebuild. Come on, say it like you mean it. We only got one service. Let's rebuild. I mean, it's always harder to rebuild than it is to Start from scratch. When you build from scratch, you don't have to take away the debris. When you rebuild, you have to say, i got to get this gone. I have to remove this. I have to get rid of the junk, the mess, the rocks, the hurt, the obstacles. And as much as we need to, at times, rebuild physically, there's always a constant rebuilding that we need to address in our life. Spiritually. So, Nehemiah gives us three models, or three ways, that he models rebuilding process. The first one is this. We need to release the grief. Release the grief. In our home, we have white walls. Uh, when I look at our home right now, I, and I look at the white walls, I don't know if that was the wisest decision to make when you have three kids under five. But specifically, this one time, my wife, who's just an amazing lady, asked me to move this piece of furniture, and I did what every awesome husband did. I, I moved the furniture without grumbling or mumbling or saying some words under my breath. I said that all sarcastically. I said everything. And sure enough, I was, you know, probably doing something not very important, and I'm moving this piece of furniture, and I hit the white wall with this piece of furniture. Every time I walked by that thing, I said, man, I made a mistake. It always resonates in my mind. I pass it and I say, man, if I would have just slowed down, man, if I would have just been a little more precise, if I would have gone out to the garage and got the tools and unassembled some of these pieces, then I wouldn't have this mark every time I walk by this wall. It was frustrating. It still haunts me to this day because to make matters worse, I think I have the right color paint and I go and paint it. Come on, fellows, white is white, right? (laughs) You know, like, who knows that there's so many different colors of white. (laughs) See, in life, there's many options and many times when we navigate the avenues and look at things where if we don't handle or address the issue, it's this, this nagging speck on the wall, where we made a mistake that we can't get past, that it haunts us every time we walk by it, every time we think about it. Some of us have been in moments of grief that you just kept pushing down, pushing down, pushing down, unwilling to address, unwilling to evaluate. And what happens is whenever we push down our grief or we don't express our feelings and handle what is buried, it can eat us alive. See, if we bury our feelings, they will eventually bury us. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't bury it. Turn to your neighbor loud and say, don't bury it. You've encountered a lot of grief this week. Maybe you're a fortunate person and maybe you didn't. Maybe whatever you've experienced, you will always be saying, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the next storm. I don't know what's going to go on. I don't know how I'm going to rebuild. The more you're honest and real with your feelings is the moment you can start to move forward In the process, because if we bury our feelings, they will eventually bury us. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, Nehemiah is in this scene with the king. And so the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me, you must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? It's coming to this understanding that was taking place is whenever you were in the presence of the king, you weren't supposed to show your emotions, show what was taking place in your heart, show the feelings that you had. And you know what Nehemiah does? Out of boldness, out of strength, he lets his feelings show out. He was so gripped with what was taking place inside that he had to express it externally. Nehemiah's response is, for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah was honest both with God. If you look in the previous chapter, in chapter 1, he expresses to God the pain that he's faced with. And then he also expresses it with the king. When the king asked him, how could he help? Nehemiah had a boldness about him. This is how you can help me, king. And he requested, let me go back to help rebuild my city. See, grief is a choice. We have to choose to express our feelings, choose to not bottle it up, choose to not bury it, but choose to be real with it. Men, we're notorious to saying, oh, I'm fine. Sometimes, ladies, we share a little bit too much of our feelings. But there's moments when we have to get honest and real about really where we are at so we can address the issue and we can release the grief. See, when we complain about God, we call this rebellion. But complaining to God is an act of, of worship. It's okay to complain to God. We just make sure we're not complaining about God. Some of us, we've been complaining and worshiping all week, right? See, when we complain in faith, we're saying, God, I believe you hear my prayer. God, I know you can help me. God, I can trust you. God, I'm going to cry out to you. God, I'm going to lean into you. Even though I don't know the why on this side of eternity, I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to call on your name. I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to complain to you. You're going to hear me, and I'm going to continue to worship you. Why? Why? Because loss is inevitable, but getting up is optional. We need to first release the grief, and secondly, we need to rely on God. Rely on God. When it comes to rebuilding in the midst of loss, we need to rely on God. Early in my Christian walk, I had this concept of viewing God as Santa Claus. If I do well, I'll make the nice list. If I don't do so well, then maybe I'm, I'm clicking over to the naughty list. I had this thing in my mind where if I did well, if I read my Bible, if I prayed, if I did my devotionals, if I attended church, if I didn't say so many things, if I didn't yell at people, if I didn't have feelings, then God was going to honor me and, and help me and, and throw some things my way. That's not really how God works. See, there's going to be moments where we experience loss. There's going to be moments when we're challenged. But God is our strength. God is our comfort. God is our peace and love, and we need Him when we are weak. See, rebuilding is not easy. Nehemiah faced pressure from the surrounding people of the city. There were some enemies threatening to pounce on them, destroy the work they've done. There were internal pressures amongst his people, yet he continued to say, I'm going to rebuild. See, Nehemiah, when the the group was against him, when people, when the loudest voices in the land... We're saying, don't rebuild. You don't need to address that issue. You don't need to handle that kind of situation. Just leave. Give up. Nehemiah says, I'm going to rebuild because his God is great. Our God is great. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, this is what he says, Then as I looked over the situation... I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. There's voices that are saying, why are you following Jesus? How is, how is he such a good Lord if he lets something like this happen? How, how do you navigate This hurt and this pain. See, the question isn't, again, the why. The question is, I'm going to rebuild because my God is great. And let me show you how. Because you know what is happening around our city, our state right now? The church has become a safe harbor for people to find refuge, for people to find hope, for people to explore the question of eternity and not things right in front of them. See, God works in ways we can't ever understand, even if there's loss there. But getting up is optional. Look how we describe God, some of the names of God in scriptures says this, He's the Mighty One, the Lord, the Ruler, the Supreme Might, the Lord of angels' armies, the God who sees, the God who provides, the God who heals, the God who is perfect. He is peace, He's your rock, He's your stronghold, your rescuer, your redeemer, your creator. He is the God who is ever-present, the God who is available, the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity, Prince of peace, the King of glory, the ancient of days, the Father of lights, the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort, the God, the Savior of all, the good shepherd, the faithful witness, the might, the bright morning star, the Lion of Judah. Yeah. <laughs> Lamb of God, the author and perfecter of faith, the head over all things. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. See, often our issue is not that the problem is too big, but our view of God is too small. Church, we need to have a big vision of who God is. God is beyond fixing some of our roofs. God is beyond some of the, the, the messes in our home and the, the drywall and, and the flooding. God is beyond that. God is big. God can do things that we can't even imagine, can't see, to grow His church. Sometimes we're in loss, but we're going to rebuild. Loss is inevitable, but getting up is optional. See, God... Looks at our mess, but with his might, we're in the fight. Loss is inevitable. Getting up is optional. So we do this by, one, releasing the grief. Two, we rely on God. And three, we reach out to others. We reach out to others. We've had the privilege of partnering with some organizations this past week You know, who's been huge in our community is Harry Chapin Food Bank. Thankful for them. We have Convoy of Hope coming Tuesday. We have Harry Chapin coming back Thursday. Hundreds and thousands of meals have been dispensed and been given out. I sit there, and this past week, we were looking at people coming through. Some of the church members coming through. People in need, people seeking food, people seeking help. Sometimes there's two sides when it comes to reaching out to others. First one is this. One, we might be people who say, you know what, I'm I'm too prideful to reach out. I'm too prideful to ask for help. Sometimes it's this it's if if they know where I'm really at then they're going to put a label on me. That's not how God's church works. You might be in this place and you need help. We want to hold your hands up. We want to help you up. You're not in it alone. We're taking and collecting a needs list and we're trying our best to help those who we can. Some of them are a little beyond our pay grade, my pay grade. I can't really put a roof on someone's house. And you don't really want that if I, if I volunteer. But we can try to help in other ways. But on the other side is this. There are those in our community who are in desperate need of help. And the question you have to ask yourself is this. When we're going through a loss, are you a person with the antennas up and saying, who needs my help? Is it my neighbor down the street? I'm not talking about just a collective in here of individuals, of people we're comfortable with, but I'm saying when you look down your street and you see a widow and you see maybe a family that is, has handicap or maybe they just don't have people that can lift what you can lift because there are some really strong individuals in here, maybe you need to look down the street and say, who can I help clean up some debris? I've never had more of an opportunity to pray with people than I have in this season. I've talked to some of you. You're like, hey, it's like fair game. I'm going to say, hey, can I pray with you? Everybody's like, yep, absolutely. I need your prayers. And they might be the furthest person from God, but God opens the door to minister into someone's life church part of rebuilding after loss is saying i'm going to reach out to people i'm not going to wait for them to reach out to me and some of on the other side too is saying there's moments when you are in help you just need to express that need in nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15 so on october 2nd the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun when our enemies in the surrounding nations heard about it they were frightened and humiliated. I love that in this text. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. So Nehemiah, he gets a group of people together nobles, those who bought in and says, We can do this, let's build this wall. They do it in remarkable time 52 days. People are astonished. People are mesmerized. And when people were mesmerized, what they do? They say, oh, man, there's something about those individuals, something about that church, something different there. There must be some bigger person behind that group of people. And then all of their enemies, they get frightened. They get scared. They get humiliated. And you're like, yeah, my God is big. You know, rebuilding after loss is challenging. No question about it. But we're in this season. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're struggling with how big your God is. Maybe you're struggling with the why to this. Maybe you need to be challenged to think about how do I rebuild for this testimony to show how big God is. Maybe you need to reach out to a friend, to a neighbor, to a church member to say, I need help. I've always been moved by this story of this lady, her name was... Janelle Guzman. She was um, the last survivor of 9/11 to be pulled from the rubble. The rubble, excuse me. She had been buried under the rubble for 72 or 27 hours. Excuse me. Utter despair. She had moments where. She was praying. She had moments where she was cursing. She had moments where she wanted to give up. And finally, out of pure exhaustion and of no one helping, no one there, she finally fell asleep, not thinking she was going to make it. Finally, the, she woke up and she hears these voices around. And she hears these voices, she fights with her one final battle, and she reaches her hand through the rubble, and when she sees and she starts to see the light and the shadows kind of move through, she feels these hands grab her and start to pull her up, try to remove the rubble. She said it was the greatest fight of her life to get out beneath the rock, to go to where the light was. She wasn't a Christian before then, but she said there's no way she would have experienced, survived that encounter without there being a divine being behind her. She would later to go on and and join the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, an amazing church in New York City. And she said, God put her through this experience to share this experience With others no matter what kind of loss you've experienced no matter how much buried you feel you are we're here to reach we're here to help we're here to do what God's called us to do to be the hands and feet of Jesus to lift each other up, to pull each other up. Never, never give up that fight, church. Losses are inevitable, but giving up is optional. We get up when we release grief. We get up whenever we rely on God. We get up whenever we reach out to others. Church, let's continue to rebuild. Let's continue to trust our Lord. Let's continue to worship Him, praise Him, Pray to Him. Complain in our worship, but no, He's always right there alongside us. So we're going to enter into this time of prayer. I'm going to ask every head to bow. God, we give you this moment. You see the hearts in this room. You see the people in this room you see the situations these individuals face Lord right now I pray that you continue to help them rebuild after this loss Lord help us to be people that choose to get up not to be people that want to give up but help us get up God you see the circumstances you see the doubt You see the worry, you see the anxiety, you see the depression, and God, right now, we're not necessarily asking all those to leave, but what we are asking is that you make yourself real and true to us, knowing, surround us with your spirit, knowing that we're not in it alone, but we are in it with you. God, there are people right now who have some serious questions about who you are, and I pray right now that you work in their life, that they accept you as their Lord, and savior that they say hey i might not have all the wise, but i'm going to perform in the house and that's trusting you lord we pray that you have a divine intervention in their lives that they begin a relationship with you for those who are discouraged right now lift them up lord touch them give them comfort give them peace and in your great and holy name we all say amen Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.